Amanda, Bella. Bella, what do you think about eating disorders? She's clearly struggling with one. <laughs> My name is Amanda. I'm Adeline. And this is Life with Purpose. Today we're talking about eating disorder. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> eating disorders. <laughs> oh man, okay, where do we start? Okay, so let's talk about the ways that we're affected by the body image that society pushes on us. I think that's like a really cliched topic like we know that the media is built for thin women mm -hmm. we, we've seen through the evolution of media we saw with uh playboy and baywatch and then shows like friends mm -hmm. where the iconic character was rachel green and that's such a cliche topic we know that social media and the media in general presses for a thin body image what we don't talk enough about is how that has leaked into our homes and like plagued the way that we interact with our loved ones. Okay, so when you say the way that we interact with our loved ones, can you give me an example of that? This is my episode, right? This is my jam. I have mm -hmm. lived through this for so many years and I have been working on this specific topic in therapy. One of the biggest things that I am realizing is that my eating disorders and my body dysmorphia didn't start with the media. It started at home. And I think wow. that it started at home because for the specific person who pushed that onto me, I think for them it may have started in the media. Mm. So I'm going to say this is that when I was growing up, I didn't live with my parents. I lived with a guardian who was a family member. This family member consistently pressed this idea, this ideology of being thin onto me from a very young age. And like recently in therapy, I kind of had this repressed memory flashback where this family member made me do sit-ups after supper when I was like in third grade. I remember... I remember eating supper and then going into the living room and having to do sit-ups after eating. And I was by no means this skinny, tiny girl. I've always been like small in stature, but I was chubby. And I remember this family member saying things like, when I was your age, I was this size. Or I remember one time I had come home for a visit and I was wearing a black tank top. And this family member looked at me and said, have you gained weight because that tank top's not really very flattering anymore. And this happened to you when you were under 14 years old? Mm-hmm. That's, that's must have been really damaging for you to hear when you're in this point of your life where your support system is really only your family and they have to check so many boxes for us. Mm -hmm. I mean, that relationship with with our parents and our siblings and our grandparents and all of our, our family that we spend the most time around, really, I mean, we look to them for how we should feel about our bodies. So do you feel like when you had looked to that family member and they told you, you know, through those examples, through those actions, that you weren't good enough, how do you feel like that has translated to your later teen years mm -hmm. and um, your adult <clears throat> life. So there's, this has been a struggle literally for as long as I can remember. Even after like having been forced to do those sit-ups, I would then go up to my room and I would do more sit-ups and I would just dream about the day when I would be skinny. Um, I did eventually move out of that family member's house, but I remember looking back and being a size zero in high school, but still thinking that like my tummy was not flat enough. And then, um, this is actually something that I talk about a lot on my personal TikTok channel. And I did, I did post a video, uh, pictures of myself struggling with, I've struggled with anorexia. 
I've struggled with bulimia, I've struggled with binging disorder, I have struggled with excessive dieting and excessive exercise. So even after, after I left high school and went to college, I was on my own and I finally felt like I was in control. When I was, as a teenager, I did get to go live with my parents and they would like make me eat supper. And I really hated that because there were times where I was like, I am too big, I don't want to take in these calories. So when I got to college and I lived in the dorms, I had like a meal replacement shake for breakfast and then like a granola bar for lunch and then a granola bar for supper. And I lost a lot of weight. So that, so it sounds like it got worse when you left the house, but one thing I, I, I noticed when you were just talking about your experience, um, the way that you had phrased part of it made me wonder, it, it made me realize that when that starts at home, those beliefs, when you had said you would dream about the day you were skinny, it doesn't sound like to me that it's about being skinny when that, like, as if that's really the attainable thing. It sounds like to me that being skinny for a lot of women, that's where you can find acceptance and that's how you get to be loved. Right. And I think as I'm saying this, I, I wonder if a lot of the body positivity movement that we see today isn't about, well, I mean, we'll, we'll get to this too later in the episode, isn't exactly about health um, or being skinny or being big or whatever. It's not about size. It's about being accepted and about being loved despite your size. But right. I do think it sometimes gets a little convoluted. But as we were talking, I was just, I made a note of, of how your language kind of reflected that where, I mean, I don't think as kids we're really chasing skinny. We're, we're chasing what skinny means. I think especially because I had this family member like coming at me and telling me the way that your body is is wrong. Mm -hmm. It was kind of like, well, when is my body going to be right? Yeah, they don't explain that part to you when they're shaving you, do they? No, <laughs> no, no. Um, and then the other thing that like I've really struggled with is like not only do I have um, eating disorders, but I also struggle with body dysmorphia. And I did go ahead and um, prep the definition of the two. Yeah, let's hear it. Okay, so. Body dysmorphia is a mental illness involving obsessive focus on a perceived flaw in appearance. The flaw may be minor or imagined, and the person may spend hours a day trying to fix it, including cosmetic procedures or exercise to excess. An eating disorder is any range of psychological disorders characterized by abnormal or disturbed eating habits. And so I can tell you like the stark difference between the two in my life I have body dysmorphia in that oh, the flaw that I focus on excessively is my stomach and um, my face shape. I know that those two places are where I gain and hold the most weight. I have been thin, I have been fit, and then now I am back to a place where I'm overweight. There also, I let the way that I feel about my body also affect the way that I let people treat me. So I want to hear more about that. I want to hear more about, you know, you've been skinny, you've been fit, and now you're in a place where you're not so much those things. Tell me about like the difference. And, and I, I want to know what you've learned. When I was skinny, I didn't think that I was skinny. I was still looking to lose weight. I was still looking to be a thinner person, a, a flatter person, a, a different size than I was. When I was fit, I was exercising excessively. The difference is now that I have gained weight again. So here's what happened. I was thin and then I was in an emotionally abusive relationship. And in that relationship, I had gained the most weight I had ever gained. I was nearly 200 pounds. And in this relationship, this man, he did things like, like he would call me a loser for having dropped out of school. And then I went back to school and he got upset with me for spending too much time at school and away from him. That sounds like a him problem. Ooh. And then, so then same thing with my weight. I gained weight and he pointed out that I gained weight and so I started going to the gym and then I was spending too much time at the gym. And so like nothing, we had the same problem with money. 
we weren't making enough money and so, so I went out and got two more jobs. I was working three jobs and then I was not at home enough for him because I was working these three jobs. So nothing I did felt like it was right. So when we finally broke up and I stepped away, the, I once again, just like what happened when I moved to college, the one thing I could control was my weight. And so I started working out excessively and I was eating like a bodybuilder, chicken and rice, chicken and rice, nothing else, vitamins, so much water, it's not even funny. And I did bodybuilding and I was in the best shape I've ever been in. The difference now is that now that I've gained most of that weight back, the body that I want back is the one that I had when I was fit. The difference is, is that back then I thought that I was doing it to be good enough. Now I want it because it was when I was happiest. It was when I was the least critical of my body. And I kind of had to have this conversation with my therapist. Even though I'm still struggling with the eating disorder and the body dysmorphia now, one of the things that I had to come to terms with is that I am never going to be the size zero that I was in high school. You have to stop wanting that. I mean, when you're in high school, your 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 body isn't even fully developed. There is it your is hips are smaller. It is literally impossible as a grown adult woman to get back to that. I mean, no matter how much you work out or how much you try. Right. Yeah. So I had to learn to stop wanting that. The goal now is not to be skinny. The goal now is to be healthy and like when I was least critical of my body. Mm-hmm. It's easier to accept your flaws when you're at a point where you're least critical. And so now my goal is not to go back to the size zero that I was when I was in high school. You can't you can't be delusional about these goals. The goal is to go back where I was I had what I had to learn was to give myself a range. When I was healthy and fit and in a good range, mm-hmm. I was between a size four and a size eight. That's a big range. That gives you leeway for holidays, overeating at holidays, that gives you leeway for being on your period, that gives you leeways for days when you eat too much, that gives you leeways for days when you eat too, too little. You know, I heard this thing about that, um, where, and oh gosh, maybe it was you, maybe it was somebody else, that had, or maybe it was the internet, who, who the hell knows nowadays, you know? I certainly don't have a horrible memory, but <laughs> um, I heard this thing, instead of measuring what you eat for every single meal, and going over, if you're going to keep track of that, measure what you eat for the week because that, with that, you, you, you go over or you go under, you still have so much time to accomplish your goals in a healthy way that you don't need to feel so much guilt over being human. There's no, no, no restriction. I, I can kind of relate to that. Like, I feel like when I, I restrict myself from eating, I go and buy I buy boxes of cookies and I eat them all in one sitting. And then I feel like shit about it, you know? Um, and while I wouldn't really, it doesn't interrupt my daily life enough to, to, to meet the diagnostic criteria for an eating disorder, I do realize that telling yourself that you can't do something because we are taught from the time that we learn to walk as women, that in order to be what society expects us to be, we can't do these things, and one of which is gain weight. Mm-hmm. And it's such, it, there's so much shame surrounding it. And you, I, I, I've come to realize you have to give yourself freedom to mess up and stumble on your goals. And mm-hmm. it's okay if, if, if weight loss is a goal. And I think it just needs, you just need to have a healthy relationship with it. You know, that's the whole problem, um, is that it becomes part of your self worth, right? I mean, and, I mean, I just feel like it's so hard to have boundaries with something that your self-worth is so deeply tied to. Exactly. And then when we're taught from the time that we're little by people who are supposed to be protecting us mm-hmm. that our body is wrong, that it affects literally the outcome of the entire rest of your life. And then I get really frustrated because I have these conversations with, like, friends and family where, like, I am... I'm, I'm really not in a place where I'm happy with my body right now, and I know that. Um, I have 160 days until my wedding, and in my brain, I'm like, that's a, that's a hard deadline. I don't want to feel fat on my wedding day, and I'm terrified that I'm going to. And so I am struggling with a eating disorder with body dysmorphia and a hard deadline, 
and I have to figure out how I can, in a positive and healthy way, manage both my weight and my deadline so that my wedding day is not the worst day of my life because of my body dysmorphia. Well, and you know, I think you can talk your way out of that all you want, but ultimately that's what society teaches you is that it matters. Mm -hmm. And I'd love to sit here and tell you, oh, it doesn't matter. You you know, like what they say, the line you tell people when they say, oh, I, I'm, I'm fat or I feel fat. Oh no, you're beautiful. Bitch, and I didn't like, say that I was ugly. Exactly. I said I was fat. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. And I think when I hear you talk about, you know, feeling that way for your wedding day, it's like we are told that the appropriate thing to say is, oh, no, 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 like, you're, you're not this, or you're beautiful, or oh, you're not that. Well, you know what the point is? It's about feeling good about yourself and about being healthy. And it doesn't matter if you're skinny or overweight. If you're not in a place where you feel good about yourself and you feel healthy and you feel proud of where you're at, it doesn't really matter what your weight is. It matters how you feel about it. Matters it matters how you feel. Yeah, and I think the conversation around um, weight and body image for women is focusing on the wrong things. I think the conversation around it definitely needs to change. We need to stop telling our friends well, you're beautiful. It, it doesn't help me when my friends say, oh, well, you're beautiful. What helps me is the things that I've had to learn on my own. One thing that I've had to absolutely change in my own life is instead of saying, I am fat, I have to say, I have fat. And guess what? Fat is removable. But also, fat is okay. Fat is okay. That's the other thing, too, is that we also, as a society, and like due to social media and the way that we curate our lives on Instagram, what is an acceptable body weight and style for you may not be for me. Mm -hmm. I think that your body type is like your body type would be a goal for me. Body type or where I'm at with my body? Because my body type is top heavy and all of my weight accumulates in my stomach and my shoulders. I'm actually feeling quite insecure lately about the, the my armpit fat, funnily enough. But like that's the point, isn't it? So I just told you, you I'd would, love to have your body. Like and were you you immediately pointed out to me all the things that are wrong with it. That's true, and I guess I didn't even realize that, but that's the sad truth of it all is that I mean, at that point are we am I supposed to say Thank you. Or what do you, like, what do you so, say to that other so, than cause my, mind, my mind immediately goes to why? Because for most of my life, I have felt so negatively about my body. I have felt, I, um, I had this experience in high school with a guy that I was in a casual-ish, um, shorter, shorter, more casual. We were young, you know, it wasn't in the grand scheme of things rather meaningless, but he said that... I had the butt of a 10-year-old boy. Yeah, so and for a 15-year-old girl, that sticks and it hurts. And it's only been in the last year. That Especially by someone who is supposed to think, if he's dating you, he's supposed to think that you are flawless. Yeah, it's like, well, why are you with me if you don't? Well, I, I don't know if that's necessarily true. I think, I think you're supposed, if you're with someone, I think that thinking that they're attractive. Well, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think having flaws in dated people, and I have seen that love doesn't blind me to people's flaws, and I wouldn't expect, you know, okay, oh, I'll take this for example. Um, itty, itty titty committee, right? Itty bitty titty. Itty bitty titty committee. So I hate when men are like, I'm like, you know, oh, yep, I'm on the smaller side, which there's nothing wrong with that. I don't have back problems from it. It's great. Um, I can wear cute little bras. Great. Well, the problem is when it comes up with men and I notice that they're like, oh no, like, you know, your, your boobs are, are, your boobs are great size or they're very, you know, I, I don't think I've ever had someone, maybe I have had someone say, oh, like they're big, like, you know, da, 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 da. and I'm like, listen, you're saying that as if having small breasts is a shameful, bad thing. I actually have no problem with that, but right. but society has dictated so strongly what is and isn't okay, mm -hmm. and um, 
anyways, I, I just struggled with my body image so much until the last year. Um, I was so insecure that I would, I would obsess over my lower body. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and it was like, my small boobs were the least of my worries if I looked like an apple with legs, you know? Addie. People have made many, many comments in high school. And it's only recently when I, I lived in the woods for two months and I had hiked over a hundred miles in seven weeks and eaten a ridiculously clean diet and I had left with almost zero body fat in my body, so much muscle, a six pack. Mm-hmm. Um, and I looked incredible. It was the best shape of my life. Um, this was this was almost this was exactly a year ago. Um, this week. And I looked in the mirror and I thought, for the first time I had my ideal body. And do you know how much it took? It cost way too much. Two months in the woods. Yeah, it's it, it it's unachievable. But for the first time, I realized I still had problems with my body. Oh, part of me was still too skinny, but but ultimately, I came to the conclusion that this body carried me over hundreds of miles of in very intense terrain. And does it really matter if I have a big ass or not? Yeah. And now I. My first instinct was still to list off the things that were wrong. Yes, even though I feel really differently about it. And I don't focus on my armpit fat anymore because I'm like, well, my body's pretty badass. <laughs> I really want to be a part of this conversation. How are we supposed to change the conversation? How are we supposed to... Where, so are we saying, does it, does it start in the home? Does it start with our children? Does it start with us? I think it starts... It's, it's this weird, vicious cycle that because media has become such... A staple in at least in like American lives that it starts with us having the conversation and then teaching people who are like mothers and mother figures to have the conversation with their children who then in turn grow up to be people who understand better is it's like breaking the cycle the way that you change the conversation is by continuing to have the conversations by continuing to say things like So even just a little bit ago, I said, I have fat and fat is removable. Mm -hmm. And your response was, but it's okay to have fat. It's also okay for me to want to remove it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's okay for us to want the things for our body that we want for our body, as long as it's within healthy parameters and we're not damaging and hurting ourselves and that's the struggle with eating disorders and body dysmorphia Mm -hmm. and so um it's okay for me to want to make the changes that i want to make what i had to do i still wouldn't say that i'm in a 100 percent healthy place now but what i had to do was say okay it is delusional to want to go back to a size zero i know it's it's an awful thing to want it's delusional to go back to want to go back to a size zero. That's that's wanting to have the body of a child, and I think if we examine that and we examine the history of women's body image, mm-hmm. it takes it back to a pretty messed up place, you know, where like, yeah, yeah. you know shaving and, and, and weight, and you know we can have a whole we can do a whole episode about that. Maybe we will, but <clears throat> yes. So then I had to say, okay, I was happiest with my body at this point. That point was when I was fit. But then I had to say, okay, but you were not just a size four. You fluctuated. Your happy place was a size four, six, eight, and on your very, very worst days, a size 10. That is a big range. And so for me, overcoming eating disorders has been overcoming one small problem at a time. The first problem was with control. When I went to college, I was in control of my food and learning that I have control and no one's telling me what to eat and I can make those decisions now. So like the biggest the biggest component of the conversation is understanding that our wants and our needs for our body are okay. It's okay for them to be different from others. The harsh reality is that eating disorders kill people. And so for me, I had to learn to modify my eating disorder and make it, first it was something that could potentially kill me and transform it into something that now like it's still harmful, but I'm learning and I'm growing. So my first goal was 
learning that I am in control of my food now and I can make these decisions. And then my next goal was, okay, let's be realistic about what we want from our body. Like, do we really want to be the size zero that we were in high school or do we want to be this range of sizes that I talked about? And then now my third goal is learning about things like guilt and shame and all of the things that come with what I eat and my eating patterns and that my worth is not tied to the way that I look. And then the way that I want my body to look is going to be different from the way that you want your body to, to look. And the problem with eating disorders is that too often we, one, when we think about eating disorders, we think about these really, really tiny women and sometimes men who have anorexia nervosa who are just literally rib cages and they just want to be skinnier and skinnier and skinnier when in reality eating disorders and body dysmorphia is so much bigger than that. I've had anorexia, I've had bulimia, I've had, currently I struggle with binge eating disorder um, and so we have to change the narrative that it's so much bigger than just these tiny people with nothing but rib cage. Did you ever see that movie, uh, To the Bone? Mm-mm. Okay. Well, I was going to ask. Um, I didn't, I didn't see it either. But I wonder if Hollywood and social media glamorizes what it means to struggle with an eating disorder. So that's one thing that I'm seeing on TikTok right now is... Okay, so um, I talked about in our social media episode how I have always wanted to be a social media personality. Mm -hmm. um, I, if you scroll back on my TikTok, I did like a couple like makeup videos. I did like some funny humorous ones about mental illness. Um, but what really stuck was when I made the video and said, here's a picture of me with this eating disorder and a picture of me with this. And that's when I noticed it started to pick up. And now I'm kind of on the side of TikTok where people talk about their eating disorders. Also, saying the phrase eating disorder is banned on TikTok. You'll get shadow banned. You really? have So a lot of people will say EDs. So I'm on this whole other side of TikTok and a lot of times in the comments, not just my comments, but like other, other people's comments, they'll say that you're, by posting about your ED, you're glamorizing it. You're saying like, this is my lifestyle and you should want it too. When in reality, like for me, I'm saying you don't have to be the skeleton girl to be struggling with an eating disorder. I want you to see me because there are other people like me who are struggling with this. And I didn't know that until I started finding them. You know what's so interesting about that? You said, um, mm -hmm. you said when you post about your ED that you're saying this is my lifestyle and you should want it too and you should agree with me. I I'm sorry, I think I think that's so interesting, so strange because isn't that what the skinny fit community does to people that are overweight? And I well while I think that I mean I believe you should want to be healthy. And that's doing the same thing. I think that's an unfair criticism and I think mm -hmm. I it, you like in our, we talked about in our social media episode, there needs to be the freedom to to express how you feel safely without receiving all this backlash. And I think for the idea that people are spreading awareness about EDs and and trying to create a space to talk about how it's okay to feel however you want and it's okay to have an ED and work on your self-worth and also work on gaining weight or losing weight. Mm -hmm. I think you run into the problem when that becomes a really unhealthy aspect of your lifestyle. Um, but most of our, our beauty culture surrounds losing weight. So it's we, we demonize people right. that get to be in a bad mental space with it. And I think that's just so wrong. The other thing that we're seeing too is there is this like culture war going on between the fit and fabulous community and the, the, and the like the fat and fabulous community. Um, 
You get body shamed if you're too fit. You get body shamed if you're too fat. There is a war between the body positivity movement and the body neutrality movement and health at every size. So we have all of these communities at war with each other because, and what people aren't realizing is that in a sense, they're all right. They're all all right. I think there's a space for every truth. I, I do think that a lot of the body positivity movement doesn't take, and, and maybe I'm wrong, but from where I'm sitting and the side of social media that I'm on, it seems to me like they don't take into consideration the fact that it's, it's not beauty and health at every size. It, I mean, I think that it's, it's about being worthy and being of value at every size. So I think it's important to recognize, well, first of all, these are our opinions and our opinions only. This is true. This is true. And I don't think anybody else should have these opinions, but I think this is what applies to myself. Right. So the body positivity and the health at every size movement are not one in the same. Mm -hmm. Body positivity, body positivity are the friends when you say, I think I'm really fat and they say, no, you're so beautiful. Mm. And you're like, I didn't say that I was ugly. I said that I was fat. Well, like, so body positivity is when you are supposed to wake up in the morning and you say like, this is my vessel and it does so much for me and I'm so proud of it. And there's no such thing as bad days because my body gets me through my day every single day and then my body rests when I need it to and there's no room for negativity and I don't think that's realistic. Just like I learned recently, there's an artist that I follow on TikTok and this artist said, when you're faced with things like depression, you think that the goal is happiness or that you want to be happy for the rest of your life. And that's not realistic. Things are going to happen. You're going to lose lose people or you're going to experience tragedies or natural disasters. Happiness is not one, it's not an end game, and two, it's not it's not supposed to be a consistent state. You're supposed to experience moments of grief and moments of sadness and moments of anger and frustration. Well, what's what is happiness without the low how are you supposed to gauge the, the highest points of your life without the lowest. Yeah, exactly. exactly. There's a place for all of it. And so your your body should be the same. So I am actually super anti um, body positivity. I think that's toxic. I I am more of a fan of body neutrality. I can wake up and say my body is my vessel and it gets me from point A to point B. Um, again, I'm not fat. I have fat, and fat is removable. It's okay for me to want my body to change. Mm -hmm. It's okay for me to not love my body today. I appreciate my body. I'm thankful that it does what I need it to. Mm. I don't love it. I think the body positivity movement, at least very generally, I'm sure there are parts of it that, you know, take this into account. I mean, this surely isn't an original um, thought that we're talking about today. So, and then... On this whole other like arm, you have health at every size. There is, there is a YouTuber I follow. His name is um, Obese to Beast. Great guy. He touches base. There's like another internet personality that he likes to use as an, as an example, and I forgot her name. Um, but he talks about health at every size. He himself used to be morbidly obese and has lost all of the weight, mm -hmm. and. One of the takes that he has, and again, like, don't quote me on it because this is not verbatim, but, like, health at every size just cannot exist. I think you can be beautiful at every size, and I don't think that, like, just because you're 400 pounds, do you necessarily have, like, heart disease or liver disease or, which I think is a lot of what that, like, that movement targets they're like just because I'm 400 pounds you think that I'm not healthy but what those people are not thinking about is that 400 pounds on your knees your those bones were not built to hold 400 pounds well, and, and whether or not you have heart disease um, being that obese increases your risk of so many things exponentially right. it's like at a certain point you your risk of getting diabetes and dying from that is so much higher right. and 
I mean, I just, I ask myself, why would you want to increase your risk of, of something like that? Why would I not wear a seatbelt in the car? Mm-hmm. Why would I not focus on health? And I think what people are assuming is that when, when you say health at every size, I do not believe, no, when you are morbidly obese, I do not believe that that is health at every size. I think there are a lot of factors that you're not considering, mm-hmm. but Am I saying that you need to be the size two who goes on a 10 mile run every day? Absolutely not. You know what I am? I, even though I struggle with my weight and where I am now, I'm still healthy, mm-hmm. except for mental illness. <laughs> We're healthy physically, but not mentally. I'm, I'm healthy physically. I am, I am by medical standards overweight, yes, but like generally I am healthy and so like I'm not saying like if you're a little overweight or you're a size 2x or even a 3x like I'm not saying that like you're not healthy and even if you are the four and five hundred pounds I think health sorry I didn't mean to interrupt but health looks different with every person it really does and I think that's absolutely true yeah but I also don't believe that you have health at every size Mm -hmm. because even you can be as fit as they come and go on a 10 mile run I, don't, I also can't seem to figure out if they're saying it's health because of your size, because that's a whole different uh-huh. I, problem. I, I, I agree with that. And you know, I think while we're talking about eating, dis- or EDs, eating disorders, um, and the health at every size conversation, it's like someone that's 400 pounds could have anorexia and be malnourished, you know? I mean, they could have any of these eating disorders. I think part of the problem is when we think about EDs, we think about that size zero, you know, the ribs and mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And then we, we take a look at the health at every size and I think we're, we, we're so focused on this lens of stereotypes and what we believe other people should and shouldn't be and, and, and our idea of what health looks like. When it's not one size fits all. Right. And it's certainly... You can have health problems yeah. at any size. I think that... I, this is some of the first times I've really explored the health at every size topic. And I think maybe a healthier way to look at it is... It's, it's more of a personal thing. But I, I do believe that health at every size means doing what you can personally to be healthy either at your size or if that means at a different size, that's okay too. I don't, I think health at, that, that you should be able to be healthy at every size is a little bit dangerous mm-hmm. because I think that might, I mean, there are extremists everywhere and there are people that will justify any situation with something that I, personally I wouldn't believe to be justifiable. And that being said, it's still important to know that like, if you want to be four, five, six hundred pounds, if you want to be that person, be that person. No one's telling you that you can't. No one's telling you that it makes you an ugly person. Everybody has their preferences. And I think the thing with like the body positivity or the body neutrality, body image in general is that like everybody needs to leave everybody the fuck alone. Mm-hmm. My my perception of a good body image is not the same as yours, and I shouldn't be telling you what is. And so for people who are morbidly obese and saying, I am healthy and I am beautiful and you should want to be like this too. I haven't really heard a lot of the you should want to be like this too. I've heard more from um, overweight or obese content creators that it's more of like, this is my life and, and leave me alone about it, you know, mm-hmm. I, and which I, I don't, I think considering how intrusive and arrogant and crass people are on the internet, I understand a lot of where that's like, that back off energy comes from. And do I think, think it's like almost, sorry, do you think it's almost like inviting people though when they're like, I'm loud and I'm proud and this is who I want to be and leave me alone? Well, like nobody said anything until you put it out there. I don't know. You would be surprised. I have seen a lot of people say things without being asked for their opinion on the internet, especially about um, women's bodies. Mm-hmm. You know, I follow this um, creator, uh, Karina Airby. Gosh, I think I might have butchered that. She owns a line of um, body inclusive swimsuits. And she used to be a size two, and now she is a very curvy woman, um, 
but she is lucky enough to have that hourglass figure that society is currently telling us is, is what we want, you know, that skinny waist, nice boobs, uh, nice butt, nice legs, except she has a ton of cellulite, and there are some pictures that she posts that are really curated, and, and I'm like, gosh, wow, to be that curvy and just like, hey, that's what, that's what we're supposed to want. Um... She also will post side-by-sides of her bloating and her rolls and her cellulite. And she often takes the time to post the things that people say uninvited mm-hmm. about her body. And so, and then she's very loud about, you know, as a result, very loud and I wouldn't say defensive, but definitely she's reacting to this and saying, well, hey, listen, like, I am loud and proud of my body. You don't get to tell me da-da-da-da. Mm-hmm. And I've noticed that people react to that. And I think it's a cycle that's happening where people are like, oh, you're way too proud of this. And, you know, you're technically, you're overweight and all mm-hmm. these things. And and then she, you know, and they're like, you shouldn't be so proud of it. And she's like, I am proud of it because I'm happy and I'm healthy with myself. And I didn't ask. And she's like, and I'm being proud of it because there's so many people out there that get so ridiculed and somebody needs to tell them that their worth doesn't change because of their roles or because they don't look like the perfect social media girl that that Instagram, you know, wants you to be. I think the conversation needs to change. Mm -hmm. I agree. From all of these communities being at war with each other to all of these communities finding peace with one another. Mm -hmm. That, like, I follow several fit fit girl Instagram accounts and I adore them and I think they're doing wonderful things. I also follow, I do follow a couple accounts where the women will show themselves like bloated or like after their first cup of coffee or like my tummy right when I wake up versus my tummy right when I go to bed. And so like I follow a number of accounts and I think that's what helps keep me grounded. But instead of these communities warring with each other and the body positivity movement yelling at the body neutrality movement and like vice versa and again like I said I think the body body positivity movement is toxic but that's just my opinion Mm -hmm. I can find peace in knowing that maybe there is someone out there who can be positive about their body every single day and if that's how they want to live their life that's their prerogative Mm -hmm. I'd like to live my life in a more neutral place so instead of all of these communities being at war with one another why not find peace with one another and that's how we're going to change the conversation. So where does that start? How do you think that you and I or these communities, how do you think that we change this narrative? And like just defining that there's truth there's truth and misinformation in all of these communities. For example, the health at every size. You can be 400 pounds and healthy, yes, but also recognize that, like, you're still putting a lot of weight on things like your knees and, like, your rib cage and, like, your knees were not built to hold 400 pounds. Those bones are going to break down. So, like, but do you have diabetes? No. Do you have heart disease? No. But, like, Mm -hmm. you know what? Your knees are probably hurting a little. On the flip side, you can be a size two and look like you live a very healthy lifestyle. Um, or not. You, there, it, it, genetics determines so much. I mean, I've met size two girls that eat like crap and they are couch potatoes. And somehow it not, I mean, they just don't, that you would never be able to know. And so it's like, that is not health at every That's size. That's not health either. Right. And it's like their brains. I mean, there's, there's the malnutrition, especially in, in people that think that, they don't need to eat healthier workout because genetically they have a, a faster metabolism and stay the smaller size mm-hmm. easier. I mean, I just, anyways, health at every size. That's a that's a tough one to tackle, and I feel like one size does not fit all. Right. So the conversation needs to basically say there's truth and in misinformation in all of these communities. What's important is that you find truth for yourself. This episode, I have to say, was not as comedic as I thought that I might make it. I know. I'm surprised. Because, like, I have a tendency to just, like, make fun of myself and the things that I'm going through. I mentioned this in an introduction. 
in our introduction video where my bridesmaids all made a joke about my eating disorder while we were on vacation. And so for context, we were playing a game, who knows the bride and groom the best, and one of the questions was, what is the bride's favorite food? And one bridesmaid shouts out water, and the other one shouts out, can I say bride has an eating disorder? <laughs> <laughs> and I was not offended, I thought it was really funny. I mean, those are your real friends. Those are your real friends, the people who can like make fun of your problems with you, that's that's the way you get through them. Well, you have to find a reason to smile. And the, the tarot uh, for this, uh... <laughs> episode cracked me up talking about release and you you deadpan comment about release and I was like vomiting <laughs> <laughs> oh see I thought you were gonna make it a joke and you didn't like not in the way that you usually do so I was thrown off I was like is she being serious I was like do I have to be serious release <laughs> all of the calories I just ate I don't want them <laughs> a terror said release <laughs> anyways okay um, <laughs> so um Clearly, this is a really important and really serious topic, and um, I mean, gosh, it just it affects everybody, and you can't, you can't, um, what's the saying? Read a book from its cover? Don't judge a book by its cover. Don't judge a book by its cover. So, on that note, tell me a little bit about the statistics that you've um, read recently about. Right. Okay, so... Um, EDs affect 9% of the population worldwide. Wow. 28.8 million Americans will have an eating disorder in their lifetime. Less than 6% of people with eating disorders are medically diagnosed as underweight, so that's that component, that they're not just the, the skeletons that we know as anorexia nervosa. They're people like me. They're people who are 400 pounds. They're people who are average weight and still struggle. Mm -hmm. Less than 6% of people with EDs are medically underweight. Eating disorders are among the deadliest mental illnesses, second only to opioid overdose. I did not know that. Mm -hmm. There's one death every 52 minutes caused by an eating disorder. And 26% of people with eating disorders attempt suicide. Um, that's... You know what's really interesting? It, yeah, silence for the first time on our podcast. <laughs> um, wow. Okay, so on that note, let's talk about what you're doing about it. Okay, so uh, I talked about how I am working through my eating disorder and body dysmorphia in therapy, and I had to come up with a way to combat combat how I see myself. I have to learn to be more than just my body. I'm good at other things too. I'm good at art. I'm good at videography. I'm good at content creation. Um, I am good at creating. And so one thing that I've learned to do is to change my self-worth by indulging in something where I get to be a creator. And so I created my clothing line, um, Bulletproof Basics. Bulletproof Basics. Bulletproof Basics. <laughs> So the t-shirt that I'm wearing, this is one of my pieces. I do have to say though, that I've seen other clothing creators create similar designs. So I'm not gonna sit here and boast that this is in a 100% original design because I've seen this other places too. And so like, I don't want, I don't want anyone to get the impression that I'm like, I came up with this concept. I thought I did, but I didn't. Other people well, are also doing it. Nowadays, I mean, there's so many people in the world, nothing, I, I don't know. I'm not sure if anything is, Truly 100% original. Anymore. Right. Um, what is original is the design that you are wearing. Um, so this this piece is called Dysmorphia, and it's basically just a portrait of a girl who's removing her sweatshirt to reveal the skeleton that's underneath. Um, and that is available as an art piece on my website. You can get a foil print of it. So I, I created Bulletproof Basics as a way to combat my eating disorder and body dysmorphia. I wanted to create a clothing line where I could hide behind the things that made me comfortable, which typically is larger clothes, hoodies, and that sort of thing, but still bring like originality to that concept. I want to show off another um, bit with your wonderful, with your wonderful design. So we have here 
this jean jacket um, that you just brought me today, and I am in love with it. I think this is just what the jacket needed. And, um, I mean, just look at this piece. It's already, it already has a lot of character, but I think when you add in mm -hmm. this design, um, it really just brings something else and something raw and meaningful to it. And you can get your own, you can get your own vinyl um, on the Bulletproof Basics website. And you can also learn more about Amanda's brand and, mm -hmm. and why she's created the type of clothing line that, that you have. And right. um, I think it would be really interesting to film some videos talking about your brand in the future and really get make it known what you're trying to do mm -hmm. to change the game about eating disorders. Now tell me about the you donate to Yep, so I donate two dollars from every purchase to the Eating Disorder Foundation. Um, I think that, and they are based out of Denver, I just, I think it's a really important organization. They reach out to people who are struggling with eating disorders. They are the ones who are working on combating misinformation. Um, a lot of my pieces are original pieces. I have like some uniform like black t-shirts, pink t-shirts, that sort of thing that all can have the dysmorphia design printed on them. But what I really try to do is create pieces that are 100% original. Um, I also have an embroidery machine, and what I've tried to do is embroider on all of these pieces um, the phrase, love yourself. And so that kind of goes back to that body positivity movement. The way that I'm like kind of combating my own negativity is that even when you're only neutral with yourself, you can still love yourself. You don't have to love your body, but you should still always love yourself. And so love yourself is something that is printed on every single one of my pieces. I just absolutely adore that little touch. I mean, I it's wonderful. And mm -hmm. I think that the message behind your your brand is something powerful and something that we need to talk about and make sure that this this message I, I'd like to raise awareness for it because what we've talked about in this episode, um it is really heavy and it affects mm -hmm. I mean we just talked about you know the 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 26.8 million Americans 28.8 percent 28.8 percent um I mean that that is just insane so clearly this affects such a large group of people and I hope that I mean this I hope this episode has resonated with at least some of that demographic and people outside of that as well. The important thing to know and like walk away from I think is that it's okay to be who you are. Mm -hmm. It's okay to want change for yourself. We really need to stop comparing ourselves to others and I know that's the hardest thing to do. Especially with you know how interconnected we all are with social media nowadays. It's impossible. Yep. Alright, well that's it for me. Alright, I think you did good.